Alexa, what time is it? It's 6.27pm. Yes, and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandspring. Well, there we are. Um, we've managed. To, we've managed to make Zoom work, even if Number Ten couldn't. No, to be fair, we're ahead of the game today, aren't we? We've, uh, we've, uh, we've, we've outsmarted the 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 whole of the Number Ten thing. We've got everything lined up. We've never been better prepared. And was that fourth strike to get the eighteen twenty seven to work right? In fact, yeah, we were actually even too early. So, um, you know, remember the times when we never actually went live to like 6.33 because we were having problems with the live stream. So here we are. Um, it's a Sunday. It is Sunday, May the 17th. We are in... Day, day 62? Day, day 62. Yeah, it's, it's a long old time, isn't it? It is. It is a, it is a long time. But are you seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now? uh no 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 i i not not really um i uh i i'm a bit pessimistic this week mate if i'm honest um you know the 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 lockdown has been partially lifted and you've stopped screen sharing did you do that deliberately or is that a mistake no i did that deliberately because i realized no, I'd, le- I'd left it on the so, background to say that we'd be going live and we were already no, live so no there, there we is no little little bit little bit kind of disappointed the the gentle easing of lockdown seems to have been just taken as let's all go nuts and it it, it does worry me that I was having a slightly and negative I'm not a negative person but there was a little bit of uh when do you reckon we'll be back in lockdown then and uh currently I'm going for third week of June so you're planning for the second wave or you're expecting a second yeah. wave yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, we we did the whole thing last week where we listened and we swapped sides a little bit in terms of the first responses to the yeah um, to the prime minister's announcement. And since then, there is hello, Milsey boy. Um, there is nothing that's convinced me that we haven't gone too soon. Um, so uh, yeah, and just and again, my my barometer, which is where I take Milsey for his free run. Um, had been deserted, had got a little bit busier, calmed down again. Today, it was just unbearable to the point where I just couldn't wait to get home. Oh, we've got a li- we've got a little bit of um, of Millsy's snout there, just, yeah, yeah. just creeping yeah. into shot. Yeah, he's he's, he's um, looking. Yeah, so yeah, so last I week think, was I a... think, and in fact, we got Sir Arthur Kitten Doyle in shot now. Uh, no, we got no cats in shot at the moment. No, it's a it's a delay thing. I think oh, okay. the. The video is about two and a half minutes, or is a good minute behind the. Um, yeah, yeah. Hang on. The audio. Let me go back so to the actual, in a minute, you'll see. Oh yeah, I see cat. Three and a half yards of cat. There is a cat. Um, there were no animals harmed in the making of this podcast. Um, so. Well, I think I think it goes with my new haircut, which I understand makes me look sinister. That at this point, I should be looking to the camera whilst stroking a cat and using the words "Ah, Mr. Sansbury, I've been expecting you." <laughs> Well, you, you can if you want. Yes, you you definitely have a. Um, you've gone for the shiny bonds look. Um, it's I, a bold look. It, it is. It is a bold look. In many ways. Uh, I see. <laughs> I see what you've done there. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, last week, 
yes, we had that kind of um, yellowish, bluish um, kind of um, response to the PM's address. Um, having spent my Monday actually going through the um, the, the stuff that the um, the government actually released on Monday and highlighting um, several swathes of it, to be honest, I found that I think my conclusions were, although on the day uh, I liked that... Um, um, that the PM said, okay, well, this is how it's going to work. This is how we're going to judge it. This is what the stages look like. Um, that worked for me as a, this is this is to give you an idea about how, how we're going to do what and when. Um, but from a point of view of making an announcement on the Sunday, telling people it's it might be okay for you to go back to work, but not putting in place the advice of how they get to work or the advice for how their employees make their workplaces safe until a couple of days later, um, was rather silly. I, I, yeah, to me, I, it, it, that all of that information should have been there, ready and embargoed, um, so that it was ready for the press to actually um, look at it in advance, but not talk about it in, until the the address had been made. And you know, it went live on the website at the time the PM made the address. Why yep. they couldn't have done that, I don't know. It seems to be like a massive own goal with regards yep. to um, public relations and um, controlling the message. Um, no, uh, you're, you're absolutely spot on. And for me, the piece that I don't get, and I still don't get it, is we're not doing anything for two weeks. This is what we're going to do in two weeks' time. Here's the document. I'm sure people will have lots and lots of questions, which is why we've given this two weeks to make sure that everybody's got everything in order and in place for when we start to ease the lockdown in two weeks' time, have very thoughtful of us. However... So last week was a mixing of the blue and yellow. And what do you and get when you mix blue and yellow? Those. What do we get if we mix blue and yellow? Clearly green. So today we have our our first guest from the Portsmouth Green Party who is in the lobby at the moment. Hopefully you're unlocking him as we speak. Um, well, yeah. So let me see if he's... Um, I did tell him he had a bit of time to go get a beverage if you wanted, but hopefully... Oh. <laughs> um so tim are you there hello tim oh hi tim hi welcome how are to you the, welcome to the pompey politics podcast how are you doing good thank you yeah very well thanks for having me on it it's um it's a pleasure it's about time um about time we um we had someone from the from the greens in to um to give us a view on what on what's going on um and um and i don't know if you had any thoughts on what we what we talked about the address last week and how that went oh um <laughs> well it's we didn't i, I yeah we're, we're probably not in a good place to be i think doing a big easing up of lockdown of course because the 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 rate of infections is only just below the the r level of one so any sort of loosening is we're in a very delicate position right now. So um, mm. it's it oh. does seem to be a bit premature in my view. Okay, it's nice yep. to see the Greens and the local Conservative in myself aligned, which is is how we should be. <laughs> so Tim, well welcome to the show. And um, could you just start just by introducing yourself, uh, a little bit of your background and sort of how you came to be and what what got you involved in politics. Ooh, um, so I've been in uh, Portsmouth for the last four and a four or five years, and that's when I decided to get a bit more involved in politics. Um, I was sort of interested in sort of the 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 national scene, and then learned a bit more about the local politics as I went on. 
Um, it's just really to see, to, to sort of, to, to make things a little more sustainable and more uh, sort of equitable for people and to actually tackle the problem, problems that, the, people, prob the real problems that people are facing. Um, I think the, 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 um, the Greens have got like solutions that I, I think were sort of uh, the, the right way to go, uh, shall we say. Um, <laughs> I know we've got a diversity of opinion and it's, it is quite interesting. Um, I find sort of comparing, contrasting all, uh, how, how we sort of look at policy and how we look at things quite interesting. So I'm glad to be on to have a chat about it. No, that'd be brilliant. That's cool. Um, so we, we prepared some questions that um, when I'd finally woken up this morning, I'd, I'd sent you. So, um, so just so that you'd had um, had some um, forward viewing of them, we, you know, we're we're a gentle interview. Um, we've got quite a we've got quite a welcome uh, room of people actually following us at the moment. So we've got uh, we've got uh, Lynn, Phil, Stuart, um, Ivy, uh, Kimberly, and of course our friend from Fratton, David Ashmore. The lovely Dave Ashmore, marvelous. <laughs> so the we, pod. we've we've got many years uh, many years today. So um, so with the with the government now discouraging the use of public transport and telling people to use um, to use cars instead, do you are you worried that we might actually emerge from this pandemic in a worse situation, um, you know, pollution and environmentally wise than um, than we went into it? Yeah, it's it's probably put people into bad habits, and it's not going to help the bus companies. Um, yeah, so I think. Of course, the, the the what we should have been doing through the lockdown is getting a uh, PPE, the protective equipment in place for everybody, uh, probably wearing it in public, and also for uh, the tra tra comprehensive tracking and trace program. Um, so, doing community tracing. Um, so, since we haven't really been doing, uh, we haven't the, the government hasn't achieved that. Unfortunately, um, we're sort of going to this point where we're trying to restart where we're not in a very safe place so it's really unfortunate that we 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 need to be <laughs> ideally we would be going into sort of saying yeah public transport is safe uh that would be the sort of the way to go because we would push down the less sort of level of community infections to sort of a, uh, to, to a point where it's you know relatively safe to get on you're not going to probably probably won't pick up on the infection where we are now um it, 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 we can't say it's safe to go on the buses. Um, so it's, it's, <laughs> so it, it's, it's sort of a, a point where we're, 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 we've been pushed in, into the wrong direction. We need to be really pushing hard on walking, cycling, uh, active transport, buses, um, and, and we're talking about the ferry. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's unfortunate they're sort of throwing a spanner in the works there. Hmm. So while we have seen an increase in cycling, um, it's not good. Yeah, we have got some downsides. Yeah. Yeah, I think the cycling piece, is, it, it is something that the, I, I think I've been very cognizant of is that is that more people are cycling. I think it's, uh, you know, in terms of the way people are getting their exercise, um, you know, cycling for me looks like the ideal way of, of maintaining your social distancing because, you know, you're not having to do the dance on the on the pavement you are you know effectively all traveling in the same direction it's just i guess when it comes to and it's many years since i used to cycle to work um and i'm not sure i'd recommend it for myself now but my memory of cycling to work was that i used to really enjoy it but it was the fact that 
again, being a, a gentleman of fuller frame, when I got to work, it was then the half an hour of getting showered and changed into clothes before I started work, which is always what discouraged me from, from doing it more often. So, you know, I do wonder that, you know, we, we touched on it last week, Tim, the, the, the sort of whole, you can't social distance on public transport. And I guess when I look at the government's plans and the, the things that they've hinted at, um, and we were having this discussion in the House over the weekend, there's nowhere in there that points towards the time when we won't be asked to social distance. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's sort of a, the long term seems to be wait and see, um, because without, the vac without a vaccine or some sort of treatment of the symptoms, we seem to be stuck in this sort of limbo for the foreseeable future unless we go and tackle it like other countries have done the way if we're going to let it run through <laughs> the population as they say we we just um we there's no there's no easy exit strategy at least not one we can depend on it's all mitigation oh, and isn't I it rather than sorry simon sorry mate it's all mitigation and, and you know transmission or risk reduction isn't it rather because nothing other than the, you know a, a vaccination is gonna is gonna remove the risk is it and I think it's important to understand that that that's 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 a universal vaccination. Mm. Um, you know, if you look at the influenza viruses, they they have a relatively low mortality rate in the UK, at least because we have got an element of herd immunity. Plus, we then vaccinate the most vulnerable. And I think this is where, when I look at the the, the public transport element of it, I think it is um you know it, it is a worry that. Um, you know, the, the message now is to avoid public transport. Um, I have some fairly strong views on public transport, which we, we might come to later. Um, but I think that, that the risk is that at the moment, the safest way for you to get to work and ensure that you are self-isolated on your journey to work is to sit in your car with the windows closed and drive to work. It's um it, it's a it's a it's a strange one, isn't it? Da um, Dave's made a comment in the um in the in the chat that he, he's seen lots of people saying that they've gone on bike rides for the first time, um in in ages since since the shutdown and um and now is a good time to nurture this from a from a national mm. level right down to a local one. So yeah, de definitely. You, you, so if we look at Portsmouth and obviously you, you're representing the Portsmouth Greens there. Tim, you know, we, we, we in Portsmouth have got a problem with cars, haven't we? And I guess that is, so, so what are your thoughts on, on how could we leverage the, the people of Portsmouth to leave their cars behind? It's a good question. And I've talked about it many times with the council. Um, I've been uh, particularly interested in air quality in the city. Um, and that's had a major health impact on residents it it's until we had this uh, the pandemic it was the uh, the biggest public health crisis we we're facing it's probably long term potentially the uh, one of the biggest health crises um the air quality air pollution so traffic is is the main cause of that and transport generally the other problem yes is congestion that just getting around the city, it's, it's becoming a bit more painful, mm. or it has been painful for a long time, uh, but with all the, 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 the cars around and the, the parking, it's, um, 
it's it's tricky so we need to <laughs> we're we need to start looking at this is what the council say themselves that in the rhetoric is we need this modal shift um, towards sustainable transport. Now the question is like how how do we go about that? It's um, we've got like di differing opinions and different di sort of differing emphasis. Uh, so I quite like some of the the the, the rhetoric that's coming out recently, um, but I'm feeling like we're not seeing. We need to get um, sort of a bit more ambitious. Uh, on what, what we want to achieve, um, probably by uh, encouraging, like ha having a better cycle network, because people are concerned about the cycle safety. Yeah, buses are not great and they're expensive. <clears throat> we we don't have uh, there's cities that have got far higher bus utilization than us, like Reading and Brighton, um, and cities that and cities that have maintained control over their buses um, have got better uptake uh, of the things like London, then they've got the investment to go with it. We, we've, um, I know the council have asked for more investment for buses and for um, public transport. The government has not exactly responded. Uh, whether that's like them just passing the buck or whether they would prioritise it is, is sort of an open question. But um, we, we do need to get on with that. And if, if we don't get support, we're going to have to make some very hard choices about um, like effectively make... <laughs> making the option for sustainable transport more attractive than the option for using cars, which means, mm. unfortunately, to make it less convenient to use cars in some circumstances. Yeah, so I guess the dilemma always, isn't it? And, and, and uh, as you say, this is a, you know, if you really want to get residents of, of, of Portsmouth excited, just shout the word parking zone and run. Mm. So, you know, for me, there's always an element when we look at this equation that there's got to be an element of is it carrot or is it stick mm. and and or is it both and I guess I'd be very interested to to you say that, that there has been talk and rhetoric I'd, I'd be interested to know what the Portsmouth Greens sort of you know if if you know there was a magic wand moment next May and and you know you, you returned how many are up next way there's two sets in there so so you know there's there's 30 councillors or, or you know the greens have swept the board and it's now your your opportunity to deliver what what would be different in june next year in terms of cars and portsmouth uh, well it's um it's of course it's a complicated knot on that one <laughs> because it depends on multiple level of governments to get things uh, sorted and a lot of investments so if we just had local government working on their own, and this is what the council says, just the council as they are working on their own without national government support, their hands are tied. They, they've had seen funding cutbacks and cutbacks, so that they're better sort of they're on almost maintenance mode. So if we come in, we're gonna we're gonna facing a similar problem, uh, and we would say, well, we've got we've got very little funding to to tackle it um if we're just talking about green sweeping local elections mm. and we would have to say well how, how are we going to square this puzzle with no no revenue and it's like that's 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 very hard and the trick is to not let the cost fall on the people who are who can least afford it and also the the people who least afford it um are also suffering the most pollution so it's a case of we actually we we, we 
we still need to sort this out. People in poorer neighborhoods have the most pollution. So it's important to sort it out more than ever, but without the funding there. So that's the first, that's the first thing. So if we, if we <laughs> going on from that point, we would have to look at um, trying to um, probably looking at raising some revenue from um, a citywide clean air zone to fund transport improvements and to sort of prioritize like <laughs> there's things like the city center road scheme which um they're talking about modern uh, increasing the capacity of the one-way system in the city center mm. things like that are definitely out uh, because the primary objective is to increase capacity of motor vehicles because they've thrown a, a bit of a carrot to uh buses and so on but it's it's nowhere near it's going in the wrong direction we need to stop road development and probably do think about pedestrianizing large parts of the city at least for private vehicles we need to have goods vehicles and buses running obviously mm. um, we need to sit down and have a serious talk with the bus companies um, without because there's legislation in place to stop us owning uh, the council owning a bus company it's it's sort of like a, a tricky and thorny negotiation um i'd like to learn more about how that goes with uh, the transport um cabinet member and the bus companies that that will be a tricky one to sort out but we need to improve the buses integrated ticketing improve punctuality looking at electric buses because all this is going to take um funding so it's um it's an yeah. uphill battle yeah I, I do wonder though tim because i i've I've been playful on this before because for me that the so look yeah you know, my personal circumstances that I is that I, I am entitled to a free bus pass so I can travel the city by bus free and gratis and I just don't bother to pick it up because the bus situation in Portsmouth is it's a game of nine dimensional chess to try and work out which bus goes where they're 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 just a complete it's it's indecipherable as a method of transport for me and if i look at it, it it's an element of uh, the, the train works for me um but it's it's quite expensive the, the buses don't but ultimately the long and the short of it is there are too many cars on the island and i think you will never get people to volunteer and you touched on it earlier yeah you'll never get people to voluntarily say oh i won't bother then i'll walk to the there might be a few you know you know good right-minded people who say i'm going to do my bit for the planet i'm going to walk to the bus stop i'm going to wait for the bus in the rain i'm going to pay more money to get on the bus than it costs me in petrol i'm going to get off at the other end which isn't actually where i want to be and i'm going to do my 10 minute walk to get to the office in the rain and then they look out the window and it's raining and so I just jump in the car. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're right, and good point about the carrot and stick. I've often thought about that. Um, it does seem to be the, there's, there's um, I'm, like, it's too much emphasis on little carrots and no stick at all, um, it seems to me, with the council. Um, it's a tricky game because um, they're, you know, they're in, a, is it, I believe, minority Lib Dem administration, so it's, Things can be very delicate. There's a almost an election every year, yep. so they don't want to rock the boat. Um, it's they're in difficult straits in the funding, uh, and you can see why they don't want to 
shake things up and annoy the car lobby because it's an easy headline for the media to sort of jump on saying, oh, they're stopping us doing this and doing that. And it's 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 a, it's tricky to get to shift people's sort of level of expectation. It's it's dri driving should be a privilege. We we Portsmouth um, didn't have a car problem until you know the last few decades. <laughs> Humans have been around for thousands of years without cars. It's it's not beyond the wit of man to think that we could survive without cars in future. But the expectation and the messaging hasn't been in the right place. I think. Mm. Were, were yes, you, in, interesting point, Simon. When you, you look at us, I mean, obviously we're the we're the country's only island city, we're the second most densely populated city outside of London, right? But when you when you look at, and I know we've spoken about this before, um, we, when you look at when you look across the world, when you look into into other European cities um, that also have issues with um, severely restricted amount of land. Um, you know, when you when you think about um, when you think about Amsterdam, when you think about Copenhagen, when you think about there's an entirely different culture there about um, about cycling or a different approach to the relationship with the car. Mm. Um, and there's obviously a conscious decision made, and and with Amsterdam, I think it was in the was it in the late 70s or the early 80s they made a conscious decision to deprioritize the car and therefore actually set up physically. Um, uh, physically separated um, cycle routes in the city, and that I, I, it kind of alludes to the point you you were saying there, Tim, about the difficult thing is all of those things. Although lots of people actually seem to want them, and definitely now seem to actually see the benefit of of the of the change in reliance on the car, but it's the how do you how do you go through the initial pain point of doing the unpopular and inconvenient thing of making it actually inconvenient um, to use a car and still get elected. And if you've got the answer to that, then to be honest, mate, you've won next year's election. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would, I would have the, uh, yeah, exactly. that's the, the golden something. <laughs> well, I, and I, th I think if we're being fair, then, you know, because we are fair, is that Ultimately, the the conservative, you know, the the, con the the council has been conservative or Lib Dem, you know, run for for the last while, you know, in a precarious position. It's it's pretty much no overall control, um, you know, and and we we sort of get a way of muddling through, but there is an element of of the only way that this is going to get tackled is if if both sides come together. And effectively, can you know? Well, we have full cross-party collaboration to make the very difficult decisions that need to be taken. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, you're right. It's it's it's, it's politically. Yeah, it's it's tricky on our current system, and it seems to be like a. Of course, this this we've had the warnings about climate change for decades, and very little has been done relative to what needs to be done. Um, so yes, it's, it seems to be like a failure of the sort of failure of the market and a failure of politics. Um, how how do we bre break the impasse? It's I think what we've been told because the messages have been told through the media and through various channels that you know the car the cars are sort of a right and and the and the easy way to do it and. It, I'm not saying about like say personal choice. I'm saying 
people have supported politicians that have gone along with this because with car as king and road building has been the solution to, you know, since 19, the 1950s up till recently. It's been the mantra of, yeah, we need more capacity, we'll build more roads. Mm. And that runs out of capacity. We need more capacity, we'll build more roads. Um, once, if we change the mindset, and that takes um, a sort of engagement on to all levels. It's like on the media, on local government, on national government and things. And we're not we're not telling people. I think the the scale of the problem. I mean, of course, there's a thing about we don't want to be come off to us too negative, saying it's all your fault. You've messed up the planet. We need to change, and you're you're wrecking it. It's a case of actually, this will improve the city and will improve our lives if we make this transition. Mm. Um, so it can be can be spun in in a good way, but it's. Um, <laughs> It yeah. just used to be a long way off, given given the time scale. Like you say, if the the council's committed to go to zero carbon by twenty thirty, um, how are they going to do it? I mean, that that would be that would be amazing. Or some people say we need to do it even faster. So, it, unless they've got a secret plan that I haven't heard of, um, well, we shall see. Really, <laughs> absolutely. So let let's um. Let's let's move on to the plight of our of our near neighbours and and again it's a transport issue. You know there was a a story in the week that said that the the Gosport ferry was was only a uh, I think a few days away from going under. I saw some yeah. statistics that say you know cur currently I think they've lost ninety percent of their passengers. Yeah. Um and. I guess the question is, you know, how how vital is that that link from a from a green perspective? Yeah, I'm thinking it's um, it's very important. Um, we should be supporting ferries and li local links. Um, it's it is kind of it is effectively public transport in in sort of the policy point of view and to connect communities, get people to sort of. Tra travel without having to use the car that's that's good mm. um so yeah we need to provide support i mean it's um i suppose it's looking at the broader transport picture it's 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 a bit like the the, the bus situation where we've um i'm i'm wondering what the um because the 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 the, the ferries to the isle of wight i believe have had support packages mm. i i'm wondering if the buses have had because i haven't heard them complaining they would have been if they've been in dire straits, of course, the ferry will is in dire straits without help. So, they do need it. Um, I think. That's I, I, I think the bus companies, a lot of them, have reduced their services and furloughed their staff. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it's an interesting one, Tim, because I I um, I grew up the other side of the pond and and lived in Gosport uh, and moved out about twenty years ago. And I I would say actually what I'm seeing in Portsmouth now is where Gosport was twenty years ago, which was if you wanted to get out of Gosport for work in a car, you know, if you hadn't left by 10 to seven, it, it was an hour and a half to travel the five miles to get out of Gosport. And I think that time now I've got friends who still live there say effectively, if you need to be, you know, in Haven by half past eight, if you're not on the road by half past six, okay, you'll get to work at quarter past seven, but if you leave it any later than that, you don't, you, you're going to struggle to make it. And I think that that's what I'm seeing happening in Portsmouth now is, is you have got that snail's pace progression 
procession of on all the major routes out of the city and the same coming back in um, morning and evening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it would be, um, I suppose it, we, they looked at um, some temporary integrated ticketing back on the bus ticketing. It'd be nice to get that with the integrated between the modes of transport between the get the so you can get from Gosport to somewhere in say North End um, by getting one ticket from where you want to start from to where mm. you want to end and it will be recognized by the uh, it, transport. Yeah. that requires coordination I guess and to be honest with you Tim that's part of the reason we moved because if you if you look at that cost and I, I actually had a look at it so so you know I, I used to live on on the main bus route in Gosport and I used to get the bus then the ferry and then the train to Haven. Now, if you look at that, you know, that that cost now per day is is over £10. Yeah. You know, so you look at that and you think, well, and, and, and here's the, you know, it's that carrot and stick conversation around the, you know, okay, I can't drive. But if I could drive, whilst I don't want to sit in the traffic and in the pollution, but it's not going to cost me 50 quid a week in petrol to do, you know, a, a 16 mile round trip each day. It's interesting yep. that so, point. yeah, we've only got a few cause connections off of the island and the Gosport. So, yes, we're going to preserve the ones we have. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, it's a valid, it, it's a good point you make about the um, about an integrated kind of open ticketing system. When you look at again, when you you know, if you if you go to other, you know, if you go to other cities in, in Europe, then you can buy a ticket for a day um, that um, that you literally you can go anywhere within the you know, within the city. I mean, you can do that here, but it's limited to one bus company or the other. Whereas yep. those tickets are valid on the metro, on the tram, on the you know on on the buses. So it's it's again, it's making it as easy as possible for people to to make better choices about how they move about the city. Um, okay, so talking about kind of mass transport in in that sort of sense, like you say, we're we're you know when I we only got three roads on and off, haven't we? So we, when we have big events like Victorious Festival, obviously that, like many, many other festivals this year, is, uh, has been cancelled. Um, but it, uh, are things like that a, a good idea? Because they're in, just encouraging masses of people to travel into the into the city. Is that a... We, 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 no, we, we're not considering the pandemic situation. We're just considering the... No, yeah. so in, in, in normal times, I guess it's, it's, it's really just to give us an insight, Tim, into the sort of green... Because, again, it, it's that yeah. sort of, you know, it, it's that green balancing act, isn't it? Which is, yeah. the, you know, I, I, it, it's, I think it's a couple of hundred thousand people kind of come onto the island for, for something like Victorious. And I guess, you know, there is an element of uh, it will generate a an amount of waste uh, i guess it's that kind yeah. of what, what what's the green position on on events like victorious in terms of and i think and we can broaden it out to what, what i'm going to say i think it should can be broadened out to tourism generally i think because of course we've got um a lot of attractions and a lot of uh, potential mm. in portsmouth um including victorious and i've been twice to victorious um I think it's really good. The, uh, the there's a transport issue, yes, and we've we've talked about that a bit. And we and I, it's in, they're taking steps, and we need to go further, of course, in that. But we've talked a lot about transport. There's the waste issue. Um, 
about all this the plastic waste and the reuse uh, of, of uh, plastic and I think things can be improved on that um, as well I, I think various campaign groups have been in touch like Plastic Free Portsmouth I've been tr I've been talking to them um, and it, that's good um, so I, I think it's I think it's great for the city um, of course the 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 the, the, the all, having all these people gathered together, we need to mitigate the, any uh, any any harmful effects on on the on the situation. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, I think that the the plastic is uh that that is the you know it, it, it's interesting, isn't it that that you know the plastic disposable glass, and I think that's where you know we we I think there is a general awakening particularly to to single-use plastics that there's something quite distasteful about being served something in a and probably you you switched on to this long before before we did but uh, i don't know whether simon you've noticed if somebody hands you something in a i i find myself quite often staring now at the thing that i'm being well not now because we're all sat indoors but before that you know it's that what what's this coming in and and does it need to be like that? I remember there was, there was a recent uh, was it the um, Boris Johnson had his coffee snatched away during the uh, yeah. snap election uh, because it's like no, you can't be seen having a disposable coffee cup. I'm sure that he'll have plenty off off camera, but <laughs> you can't be seen on camera with the disposable. And and that's a, that's a shame though, isn't it? Because sometimes. Um... Um, the intention is kind of it becomes actually a publicity thing in the sense of you can't be seen to be doing this not the I don't want to be doing this because it's <laughs> not a great idea it's the I can't be seen to be doing something and it's um there's almost the irony of what you imagine happens out of shot of that is actually that person then throws away that coffee cup um so you know in that, in that sort of sense so it's um yeah let's let's kind of have things that are you know, realistic solutions, um, but actually are true rather than just not rather than just made to look like they're actually sensible yeah. solutions. Um, it's the McDonald's straw issue, isn't it? Hmm. That McDonald's straws yes. went from being plastic to the papery ones, which is fundamentally a rubbish straw. But my understanding is they're no more they're no more biodegradable and recyclable. Than the plastic ones were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's the I guess it's a case basis thing, isn't it? Rather than instantly lurching to plastic evil, non-plastic yeah, yeah. must be good. Yeah, it's actually perhaps like this. I, I, it's the, the thing about. I, I suppose <laughs> this is me thinking out loud now, which is scary. So, you, buying a, a beer at the festival, you go into a huge crowd, which takes several minutes to get into the crowd to get towards the stage. And then by that, you've drunk half the drink. You drink the rest of the drink. And then you're standing there with this disposable cup in your hand um, in the crowd with, with no way to get rid of it. And you'd be carrying it around with you. It's like a kind of usability problem here, saying, how do we, <laughs> how do we <laughs> get this from not being discarded and being reused, I suppose? It's... Uh, yeah, they've problem solvers on it. <laughs> yeah, no. To be fair, they uh, and again, I, I love my rugby. They've got it. They've got it sorted at Twickenham. So when you purchase your first pint, it, it is a plastic cup, but you you have a you put your it costs you an extra pound, 
but that's then your cup and you spend the day having two possibly three maybe even four pints of beer during the day and at the end of the day you give your cup back and get your pound back so there is an element of of the the, the they are plastic but they're reusable yeah. um and that seems to work so that seems to work reasonably well so i've given the beer thing probably more thought than some of the others because it's, <laughs> it's the straw thing and, and it's one of those things which i i don't think i i quite understand at no point ever in my house since i was perhaps six years old have i looked at the beverage in a glass cup in front of me and thought where's my straw yeah yes <laughs> but I, I guess you can reduce the instances of single-use plastic by buying successive numbers of pints of beer Ian. Is yes that, is that your yeah. is that your case you're saying yeah. you're doing that for environmental I, I, reasons I, I am saving the planet one pint at a time so uh, <laughs> so if we move on to uh, you know which I think is a, is a really big topic and and this one is is one that we can look at from many different dimensions because you know before the pandemic really took hold and we went into lockdown our, our local airline fly b went into administration and you know they don't look like they're going to come out of that anytime soon um which potentially would mean the closure of southampton airport because i think the 92 percent of flights that go from southampton are, are badged by fly b and now it looks like you know british airways announced that they were restructuring and losing a third of their workforce Virgin won't be far behind them. Um, in the week, the Labour shadow transport minister was suggesting that um, the government should be looking at a bailout for the airline industry. I guess, Tim, you know, the, the airline industry has not been the darling of the, uh, of, of the green lobby. Where, where do you stand on everything that's going on? Um, it's, <laughs> we're probably, we're looking at, massively scaling back and replacing airlines of alternatives um so yeah it's probably not a good idea we're, we're thinking it's not a good idea to bail them out um I, I don't i don't think anybody is to be honest Tim. Yeah. <laughs> this is where if i'm honest i found the labor politician disingenuous because there's an element of i have a sneaking suspicion if the conservative party were headed towards ba and mr richard branson's virgin with a dustbin of money I'm not sure that the Labour, the the Labour front benches would be cheering us on for our um, our our, our wise leadership. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, so yeah, we we should be looking at replacing um, transport links. Uh, so we're thinking about like talking about like ninety nine percent reduction of air travel. Uh, there's there's talk about new technology about electric aircraft. That seems to be at the moment. A long way off to me so it was by my understanding to be commercially viable so we're talking de decades so mm. that's not really part of the calculation for the time being um so we, we need to well we're, i think keeping emergency flights keeping flights to remote islands is good replace what we have with other transport links and and reduce the need for doing these long transport routes um of course, there's like some things that can't easily be replaced, and I, I guess they're not going to happen. So, um, <laughs> like uh, long haul, long haul um, holidays, it's going to be difficult to justify that. So, 
Um, do, do you think people will still, you know, once once quote unquote normality resumes, do you think people will be looking for their still looking for two weeks in the Maldives? I think I, I that's the thing. It's probably going to come, but even though it'll collapse, it'll probably come back at a level higher than the Greens would like. Because the thing is, air, airlines are profitable under normal circumstances and under the current regime of regulations. So it's, it's a case of, yes, we'll collapse, but they will come back at, at, to some degree. Mm. And of course, it'll come at a great cost of people's livelihoods, people and incon inconvenience. But we should be preparing for them not to come back even to that level, unfortunately. We should be designing a new normal that doesn't rely. Yeah, on, unfortunately, on we need to be looking at a world without really much personal air travel. It's going to be like uh, a very occasional, maybe, but <laughs> it's going to be rare. <laughs> Do you think it will be back to the, you know, if uh, and again, you're probably not old enough, but but when you go back to sort of seventies air travel with Pan Am and, you know, the fact was that the only people who traveled transatlantic with a with a super rich it, it was you know the the idea of going for a stag weekend in vegas just you know it, it became a it became a very it was a very different proposition in terms of you know i don't know what the stats are but i'd guess if you in the sort of mid 70s if you polled you know a hundred people and said, well, how many of you have, have flown transatlantic to the US? My guess is that number would be very, very low. Do you see it returning to to that being the sort of construct? That it wouldn't be ideal because, of course, we're getting the, the, you know, you have the elites just having a free pass here on being able to pollute the planet. And they're part, you know, it's it's these free, frequent flyers um, are, well, are the pro part of the problem. And people, people can... <laughs> um so although there's like there's we, there's talk about putting um tax on air duty and on the fuel it's really um just pricing it out of people's uh lives isn't very fair way of doing it um it's a case of we've got to take the hits all together mm. uh, i think and it's a case of uh, regulation and, and bringing in perhaps rationing or that sort of system um, because you can't, you can't just saying, well, normal people, no, you're going to stay home. You're going to stay, have a staycation. If you're a you know, millionaire, off you go. <laughs> so it doesn't seem very equitable to me. <laughs> well, I think the, the interesting challenge for me, Tim, is really going to be around how businesses respond because, you know, uh, I, you know, I, and, and neither of you will, will like this. I, I've racked up hundreds of thousands of miles on aeroplanes. The last time I flew on my own passport was 1995. Um, but since then, I've traveled most of the world, but it's always been on company money. So mm. I, I think the, in terms of, and I'd welcome your thoughts, Simon, you know, whether companies will suddenly just have the moment where, you know, my company previously, not people I work for now, didn't bat an eyelid at paying three grand to fly me business class to the US, you know, for a two, three day meeting and back we come again. 
And I, I do wonder whether businesses, when they've been through a period of that not happening and having to live on Zoom and Microsoft Teams, that somebody somewhere won't be throwing their pen on the table going, why, why were we ever doing this? I, I think... I think there is something there in the, um, and this is where the the free market model will at least help the um, the number crunchers look at their bottom line and question. In the same way that in many large organisations they would have spent hundreds of thousands of pounds previously actually having private helicopters or private jets, um, and them being ferociously expensive just for the prestige of being able to say that they've got one. To be to be honest with you. Um, and lots of companies realizing that that was no longer a actually a rather, not just a socially justifiable thing, but actually an economically justifiable thing um, to have. I think you're right. I think lots of companies will decide that. Do you know what? What? What is the? What's the added value we're getting out of spending all this money um, by traveling this way? But um, I mean, for me, um, I'd like to see it to be cheaper to choose to travel in more sustainable ways if travel is actually necessary mm. um the problem is is that i mean as an example from my previous work experience um i i facilitated a meeting for a colleague um in perth as in scotland not australia um they didn't want to go to the meeting because they didn't want to fly ironically i didn't want to fly either but i agreed to go and do it so i took a what turned out to be an 11 hour train journey to Perth to facilitate a meeting, I think for half a day. Um, I think there were two overnight stays, I can't remember now, um, to then actually just travel to then actually just take the train back again. Um, and to be honest, not all companies would, would think that it's a sensible thing for any of their employees to effectively spend two days out of the week on a train. Um, but if we've got cheap and fast mass travel options then we don't have to go by plane um so i th i think that there's there's a, there's a mix between the two it's an interesting one i did a meeting in manchester last year it was a two-hour meeting and i flew from southampton because it was two hours shorter and was a third cheaper than going by train even with my disabled person's rail card, which gets me a third off travel. So, you know, I think, uh, and this is the, and unless you have a strong, very strong ethical position, you, you'd, you'd look at it and say, well, actually it's, I mean, I think, and this is where I talk about that sort of new normal, the thought of traveling to Manchester now for a two hour meeting, rather than doing that by Skype or Teams or Zoom, I just wouldn't happen now, but you know, in our in our old thinking, if it's cheaper and quicker to go by plane, why wouldn't you? I think businesses have got this sort of idea, and they have like arguably got a point saying, if you, if you're trying to make an impression or you're trying to fix something, it's often good to have an in person hmm. thing, and it's like, well, it like. We, have we got the tools if, if we are going to adapt if we are going to change to the new normal it's like it's going to be it's going to be like disrupting quite a few processes and quite a few practices saying we used to do it this way it's a case of breaking out that sort of expectation again it's um 
it's a case of like it's a bit like if I take if I'm trying if I drive into central London, it's like that. What, why wouldn't I take central public transport? It would be absurd to drive into central London. Yep. Um, if we could have that mentality, that's the kind of mentality we just sort of engineer it to be like that in in lots of walks of life. Well, and I think the interesting piece there, isn't it, is is I would absolutely agree with you until you presented yourself at the train station at 07.30 hours on the day and the person there was then relieving you with the best part of £100 in folding money for your day trip to London. Yeah. And that's, that's, crazy, where, that, isn't it? that's yeah. where that challenge comes. So in the interest of time, Tim, we, we've got a cu- couple more questions for you. And this one perhaps is a, a little bit provocative, but it's about <laughs> as provocative as we get, which is that, you know, you've got a conservative and a Lib Dem here and, and, you know, with most of the major parties waking up to the, the, the green agenda and, 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 you know, looking to incorporate green policies into their, into their, 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 you know, their manifestos. Is there still a place for the green party? Yeah, I think so. I like to think so. (laughs) The, the Green Party is different in a lot of ways. I mean, I talk mainly about policy um, because we're looking at policy. So every everything is viewed through this lens of sustainability and about the environment and about individuals. And I know, like, to some extent, that's true in other areas, but it's it's t- it's taken to sort of a um, what what I think of as like sort of conclusion based on what needs to be done for. The environment it, it's it's <laughs> just, it's, it, it's it's sort of tackling the sort of the the scale of ambition needed for tackling climate change um i think that it goes the furthest towards that ambition in terms of the scope and terms of the specifics w- one thing that the greens have been looking at recently which is saying that do is the is is the green policy has does that have the urgency since we if we're going to fix if we're going to get to our goals by 2030 green policy has been updated to saying it's even more urgent and even more um say radical shall we say um than it was before um so i think it's 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 important for that point of view just saying we're we're sort of leading the way in ideas and in policy and um it's often the case that Although the, the the green sort of hard power has not been particularly significant on the especially in Westminster, yeah. <laughs> um, for, because because of the various reasons, um, but a lot of the policies have filtered into other parties. Um, in the case of way they've been sort of put through a bit of thought and, and sort of t- t- trialed out, then they've been adopted by other parties, and we're, we're glad of that. Um, that's 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 a good thing in our in in our book. So we kind of think think of the way of um, innovating in policy and in, and trying to protect the environment. And that that influence is is already enough, uh, I think, to justify it. Um, of course, there's the idea of actually sort of having direct sort of uh, elected influence, which is 
another another reason. But our voting system is not particularly uh, well suited for <laughs> multi-party politics, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm sure, sorry, so if, you know, we've we've, I'm sure we we will we. I don't think we've had an episode on proportional representation, and um, I'm sure we, we're due one at some point. And um, yeah. And, of course, uh, we're all for that, and and the Lib Dems are for well, a lot of reform on yeah. um, on democracy. So, yeah, it's we've got a lot of common ground there as well. Absolutely, I I personally think the uh, the current system is just splendid. Thanks for asking. Well, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, um, yes. So, Indeed, yes. Um, yes. So, um, conscious of time, let's end. Let's end on a on a on a positive then. So, what would you say is is your is the most positive element of of the shutdown or lockdown? Uh, for me personally, it is uh, because I'm doing contract work um, and things have been a bit quieter. I've been updating my skills a bit, so I like I like learning new skills, and it's good to have that opportunity. Saying um, I don't have so many distractions and I can get in there and there's not, I can't really do much else. So <laughs> it's uh, you make, make the best of, make the best of it. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a good thing. Every day's a school day, as they say. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Tim, thanks ever so much. And uh, you've been listening to the Pompey politics podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guest has been Tim Sherman Chase. And I've been Simon Sandsbury. (laughs) 